Can you dig it? Jackie Moon is not in the building with us tonight, unfortunately. Well, but we got Mario and myself keeping it real. <laughs> we may have a special guest joining us later, crossover fans to talk hockey. So let's kick off. What do we got on the docket, my friend? Well, I mean, interesting week in, in the NFL. A lot of news, especially these last couple of days. Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup getting some massive extensions these last couple, I mean, 24 hours, you know, and it's, it's showing you that Rams are, they're trying to run it back, you know, they, they want to repeat this. So pretty exciting stuff. Um, I don't know if you got the full details on the contracts on you right now, E. I do. Uh, let's see. Aaron Donald is now the highest paid non-quarterback in the NFL. He got a, well, I'm not sure. You'll have to correct me if I'm wrong. If he had three years left on his deal already and they just kind of reworked it, right? Isn't that what yeah, it was? That's that's correct. So he had three years left on his deal, but they gave him an extra $40 million, So now it's going to be $95 million over three years. In my opinion, it's well-deserved. You know, we've covered Aaron Donald many times on this channel and on this show. Um, you know, we've debated on where he ranks all time with defensive players. And me personally, I have him number two. He could definitely make the argument for number one, but either way, he's an absolute beast. And I believe he deserves every penny of that contract. Yeah. I mean, he, like we talked about before, I mean, easily one of the top defensive players in our games, top, you know, overall, one of the best players in our game right now. Um, well-deserved. This man is a beast, and this guy constantly takes on triple coverage, you know, gets just blindsided with every type of hits and still finds a way to get to the quarterback. And I think what you see a lot of times now in our game is a lot of people, in, especially like on the line too, sometimes just give up. You know, they get hit. They're kind of out of the play. And Aaron Donald just always has a nose for the ball and have, finds a way to get to the quarterback or make that impact just by pressuring, you know, and it, he's, it's well-deserved. And, you know, Aaron Donald said too, like, if he didn't get this contact extension, like, he could retire. He's made plenty enough money and, you know, he's a Super Bowl champion. So I'm glad that they were able to figure something out and, you know, we have him for the next three years. And, you know, it's, it's exciting as a fan, but, you know, as an opposing team, like, you know, the Broncos or the Cowboys having to play against him, that's probably not exciting for the next three years for us. Well, I do believe the Broncos have the Rams at some point this year because I think we're playing the NFC West. I know we played the Seahawks. Um, I'll have to double-check the schedule, but I believe the Rams are on the docket. So, um, unfortunately for Russell Wilson, he just can't seem to get away from Aaron Donald. Uh, I will have to double-check that. But uh, Aaron Donald, man, he's, uh, you know, to, to, to quote the – well, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame anymore, but I have him as a Hall of Famer. To quote the Hall of Famer John Gruden, uh, he's a heck of a football player, man. So uh, it's it's well-deserved. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think that the Rams are in a position to, I'm not going to say repeat as Super Bowl champions because there's been a lot of movement, particularly in, particularly in the AFC with Russell Wilson and Von Miller and, you know, a few other guys, but I do think they could come out of the NFC and I think they're probably the betting favorite, at least to win the NFC. What do you think? Yeah. Um, real quick on, on your point from earlier, Denver at Rams on Christmas at two thirty at SoFi. So, Oh, hello. 
Yeah. Hello. <laughs> nice little Christmas present for you guys. <laughs> Aaron Donald just wrapped up. Well, for I mean, uh, yeah. Well, so side 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 note, real quick. Um, it's no lie that the uh, NBA over the last few years has been kind of struggling with with ratings. Um, and to be quite honest with you, they bring a lot of that on themselves. However, I think the NFL is kind of sniffing that and I think they're looking at that as an opportunity because we saw Christmas games for the first time what last year or the year before I think yeah um, Christmas Eve I think and I I, I yeah I do believe and that's kind of why we're seeing games sporadically throughout the week not necessarily on Monday or Sunday either uh, you know we've we've seen random days on on Amazon where they're having games and I think the NFL's kind of sniffing some weakness uh, coming out of the NBA so I think I think over the next few years, we're going to start to see Christmas become an an NFL um, day, particularly if the NBA keeps, you know, continuing to try and be woke, which is not going well for them. So um, anyway, we are playing them on Christmas. That'll be exciting. Um, but I digress. What are your thoughts on the Rams repeating as NFC champions? <laughs> Look, man, they got majority of their pieces, and it, a lot of their core key players are, are returning again, right? Or they're still on the team, you know. I, right now, it's it's like how we talked about you. You have to go through them until proven point. Otherwise, you know, I don't see how they're not the favorite at this point in time. I think a lot of teams, and especially the NFC, either has regressed, has done little movement to get better, but. I mean, the Rams have stayed on top of it, and as well as, you know, they haven't really lost. They lost Von Miller and maybe a couple of the key, key people, but their main core people, they've, they've, you know, kept, you know. So I don't see how they're not the favorites to come back. And it pains me, obviously, as a yeah, Cowboys fan in the NFC. Well, here's the thing about the NFL. Like, because the NBA plays so many games and baseball, they play so many games, and then – they get to the playoffs and they play in series. You, you never know in the NFL because they only play 17 games. It used to be 16, but now it's 17, obviously. And then when you, once you get to the playoffs, they don't play series. It's If you have a bad day, regardless of whether you're the favorite or not, you're going home. So um, you never know with the NFL, but it, it does seem, at least on paper and given their track record last year, that the Rams should be coming out of the NFC now we got to wait and see, um, but they did they did sure up another piece um, on the offensive side, and that, that happened earlier today. Cooper Cup getting a five-year, $110 million contract, $75 million guaranteed, which I believe is the most guaranteed money given to a non-quarterback. Is that right, on the offensive side? Yes. Yes, sir. That is correct. So um, – now Cooper Cup, he's a terrific player, and he had a heck of a year. He's a heck of a football player, and he had a good <laughs> year last year. But uh, yeah, yeah, you, you're going to throw it to Cooper Cup when you, when he runs the Spider Two Y Banana, man. So, uh, but here's the question: though. That's a lot of money for a, for a guy that depends on another position, obviously in the quarterback. Is is he worth that kind of dough? Oh, he's he's easily worth that kind of dough, and. This man was balling out with Jared Goff as his quarterback, like you know, and Jared Goff isn't Matthew Stafford by any means, and 
not even close to that type of level. And he was still putting up amazing numbers with him as, as a thrower. So I just think that speaks to the volume and level of play that he plays with, you know, and he's easily well-deserving of this contract. And, you know, how could you not? Like, this guy is a game-changer for your team. And we saw it in the Super Bowl. We talked about it in our Super Bowl review episode, you know. When it came down to those last you – know, that fourth quarter, it was, you know, just – playing catch with Matthew Stafford, you know, the, that's the ball was going mainly to him. He was looking to him the whole entire time. And when it came time to show up, you know, he was there and providing for his team. So it, it, to me, it's just a no brainer that you had to pay this guy and he's well deserving of it. Well, listen, I, I agree with what you're saying there. When you get to your second and third contracts in professional sports, you're getting paid, not necessarily for what, well, you're not, not necessarily, but you're getting paid for what you have done in the past and not necessarily what you're going to do. It's Cooper cup going to be worth a five-year commitment and 75 million guaranteed going forward. Let's be real. Probably not because in the NFL guys are getting dinged up uh, a lot. And you know, if Matthew Stafford goes down, then that affects Cooper cup. Um, if, if they have leads a lot of the time that also affects Cooper cup because they'll be putting the ball on the ground a little more, but Based on what he's done in the past, I, I definitely think that it's well-deserved and he got rewarded for having maybe the greatest year. I mean, probably is the greatest year in receiving history, not just in terms of statistics, but then the fact that, as you said, when it mattered most, the last drive of the Super Bowl, it was all Cooper Cup. He had two touchdowns in that game and he delivered on the last on the last drive and he was named MVP of the biggest biggest event in sports. So um, it's definitely deserving in terms of, of rewarding him for sure. And I've said this before, I I've been following Cooper cup for a while. He went to Eastern Washington, played on the red turf and uh, you know, I'm happy for him. You know, not a lot of guys coming out of Eastern uh, getting that kind of, getting that kind of love. So um, happy for Coop. Where would you rank him in terms of receivers in the game today though? Just out of curiosity. Right now, easily put him top three. Yeah, I put him top three on my list at least. I just think his All dynamic right, so in the game. And... Go ahead. Well, I agree. I think top three is accurate. Now, who? Here's the question: Who's the other two? Who's the other two with him? That one I would have to think a little more hard on. I mean, Tyree Kill, just for his speed. But now he's playing You're probably with two right of them, on that. So, you know what I mean? But I think his, as of right now, his speed kills. You know what I'm saying? Like, you, you don't see this type of speed. And, you know, that's. That's why these short passes with Patrick Mahomes was great because you just had to dump it off to him and, you know, watch watch him do the rest. He just burned everybody afterwards. Like, you know, Tyreek Hill mm-hmm. was never like a deep threat, like challenge for the ball vertically. All he had to do was just outrun you. So, I mean, he's, he's a pure sprinter. Like, you know, throw it back to my track people, you know. So Tyreek Hill for sure and him. I would have to think on the third one a little more. What do you got? Yeah, I'm trying. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying to think. Obviously, kind of Julio's kind of digressed here in the last couple of years. Odell's kind of taken a step back, and not, you know, a lot of times it's 
it, you know, it's just the way it is. You know, guys are getting older. They get dinged up occasionally. And, you know, I mean, not I think throwing it. Adams. I'm, I'm not sure I'd put him in top three. A lot of his success has come because of number 12. So, um, you know, he's okay. obviously a good player, and he's, prob- he's probably a top 10. I don't know if I'm committed to Devontae Adams as a top three receiver. Um, Stephon no, Diggs? I would ha- he could be one, you know, because he's done it with Kirk Cousins and Josh Allen. Um, obviously, he's in a better situation now. But I think Stephon Diggs is probably – I think that's probably a solid choice, to be honest with you. I mean, are, are we missing any obvious ones here? Uh, I mean, Jamar we, we, we Chase. We probably are. I can't think of all the top receivers off the – Jamar Chase could, I mean, only even after only one it, year, he could be in I that know, conversation he made already. Statement. He made a statement this past year. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins has he proven sure did. himself. You know, um, yeah, they Jeff, got a few. Just, they got Jefferson a few guys in Arizona. Minnesota. So, I mean, even Debo yeah, Samuel, you know, he's 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 a little everything, but you know, man's a baller. I'm not sure where to put Debo Samuel, but but in terms of weapons, he's probably number one or two behind a healthy Christian McCaffrey. But uh, yeah, Debo Debo Samuel, he's he's another kind of specimen to watch. He's uh, he's yeah. a very unique player, and he deserves to be paid as such. So. Um, One of the good two we're getting to that point, and especially in our ages here, where you know those type, like you said, Julio and you know Mike Evans, like those type of receivers, they're starting to kind of die, get you know get lower in, in their playing styles, or you know they're not as good as they kind of used to be. And we're seeing these young cats now kind of stepping up, so it's kind of interesting seeing this shift of wave going on here now. You know what's funny is just based on on-field production and route running and footwork and hands and work along the sideline, I still believe that Antonio Brown, talent-wise, is a top three receiver in the NFL. I truly believe that. He's he's very special on the field. Now, his problem is, is that his head is all over the place and nobody knows what he's going to do on any given day, hence why he's not in the NFL anymore. But I, I honestly think that if he had the kind of mentality and the the head on his shoulders as a like you know Russell Wilson type, I think Antonio Brown is is a top three receiver in the NFL. But um, you know, there's more to it than just physical ability. You know, you got to be able to put complete sentences together. You got to be able to stay out of trouble. You know, you have to be able to. You got to be able to be depended on, which he is not able to be depended on. However, he's a terrific football player, and he's he's extremely skilled. So I, I would have to agree with either Stephon Diggs or DeAndre Hopkins, to be honest with you. Um, I know A.J. Green is also in Arizona now. He's kind of – again, he's he's getting up there in age, and, you know, he's mm-hmm. – there was one time where A.J. Green was in that conversation, and he might be a good year away from being in that conversation again. But I'd have to agree. I think Stephon Diggs probably would have just the slight edge over DeAndre Hopkins just based on the fact that he's put up big numbers in – in two different spots, one of which was uh, an inconsistent quarterback in Kirk Cousins. I'm not going to say he's a bad quarterback because he can wing it around, but definitely inconsistent. It's kind of he's a story. Just, he's a game career. manager is really what Kirk Cousins is. He's a little more than that, I think. He can wing it around, and he, he can make some throws. It's just the problem is, is who's he throwing it to? Is it the guys in his jersey or is it guys guys in the other <laughs> jersey? So um, I, 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 I think he's a little more than a game manager, but you know, not not bad for a guy who was – picked in the third round to be the backup for Robert Griffin the third. He's made a nice little career and he's gotten paid. So Kirk Cousins definitely an overachiever for sure. So mm-hmm. 
Um, we touched on the Broncos earlier here, and you know that's my team. Uh, always showing love to the Broncos. I'm sure you saw the news over the last couple of days. Um, Broncos are, were sold officially to Rob Walton and company. There's because there's a few other people that we talked about, but mainly Rob Walton, the heir to the Walmart fortune, just adding more wealth to that family. Sold for a North American record of $4.65 billion. What are your thoughts? <laughs> uh, I mean, honestly, pocket change. Um, well, on that. Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 walk, that's walking around money. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's nothing. Um, my other thoughts was when I used to work for Walmart, all those times they didn't give me a pay raise was probably – you know they're saving money for this type of a move, so well, don't give I like me. to think I'm I, I like to think I'm part of the ownership, you know, group of this. Like you know, I have some type of a piece in it. So. <laughs> don't get me don't get me started on Walmart, okay? Like. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, and in, in seriousness, uh, obviously record sale, and you know, if you're gonna buy a team, why not the Broncos? Who, you know, obviously the last what is it five six years haven't been the best, but. Historically, the Broncos are one of the best franchises in the NFL, and they're, they're proven winners. And you know, I, I just think that's a lot of money, but it's it's great. Like you know, and hopefully, obviously, Rob Walton and, and his and his group here are easily the richest my uh, well richest owners in in the, the whole entire NFL. Right? They can they're rich in, in the second place. They're they're the richest people. So. Hopefully that plays well for Broncos and Broncos country and what it does for our community here. And, you know, it's pretty exciting. Yeah. I mean, so a couple things here, first of all, I don't know if you're ever going to get a return on that investment. I mean, you know, back in the day when, when Pat Bowen bought the team for, you know, whatever it was, 60, $80 million or whatever it was back then. I mean, that's a terrific return on investment, right? You're talking so about- I actually saw the number on it today. Um, he got 60 times his initial investment. There you go. So <laughs> now, again, people that buy sports teams nowadays, I don't believe they're interested in a, a big return on investment. I think they're just doing it because they can. Um, because I don't want to be part of a club. Right. I, I, exactly. I don't because I don't think you're ever going to see a return on investment when you're spending four and a half billion dollars to, to purchase a sports organization. But here's the thing. He's got big shoes to fill. Um, obviously over the last few years, since Pat Bowen passed away from Alzheimer's disease, uh, the organization's leadership has been, you know, not good because his kids are all, you know, human nature coming, coming out, suing each other, trying to get, you know, what, what their dad worked for. Everybody's trying to get their peace. But anyway, Pat Bolin himself though, he turned under Pat Bolin, the Broncos had more Super Bowl appearances than they had losing seasons. Um, Pat Bolin's leadership is notorious around Denver and around Dove Valley. He was the kind of leader that he didn't overstep his boundaries. And yet his office door was always open. You know what I mean? So he's, you know, and guys also, he was legendary for um, also being a beast in the 5K walks and, and whatnot. He he was also a legend on the Stairmaster at Dove Valley. You always saw clips of Pat Bowen going hard on the Stairmaster. So, um, <laughs> you know, and, 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 I mean, you laugh, but guys see that. I mean, that's, that's no, the boss. I mean, no, yeah, that's, so I think it's cool. when, when you see the boss, 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So when you see the boss working like that, I mean, it's, it sets, it sets a precedent and, you know, I don't think Rob Walton's that kind of guy. However, he does seem to have a open checkbook, which that'll be good, but he's got big shoes to fill. So um, I am happy that the Broncos finally have some stability with the ownership because that's been a huge issue in Denver over the last few years. I mean, say what you want to about the quarterback play and, and changing out coaches. Every, every successful organization, whether it be in sports or not, starts at the top, right? And when you have leadership that is just in a total chaotic mess, that trickles down. I, I don't care what anybody says. So it's good now that at least they have some stability and the Bullen family and all his spoiled kids can now – split up their four and a half billion dollars amongst one another and you know I believe each one was getting over half a million or five hundred million, right? Yeah, thanks. Each each thanks each child's getting half a billion. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy your half a billion that you got plus whatever trust fund that daddy set up for you and you know go on about your life. But uh it'll be it'll be interesting to see, you know, because now there's a lot of talk about a new stadium and whatnot and you know people are kind of hit or hit or miss about it. You know, Mile High is a little outdated compared to some of these, you know, newer stadiums like SoFi and and where the Raiders play and obviously Jerry's World and uh, the place they U.S. Bank that they just built in uh, Minneapolis. So um, it's it's a little outdated. However, you asked me this earlier in the week. I absolutely love going to games in Mile High. And I know a lot of people are upset because, you know, Mile High right now is right off of I-25 and uh, Colfax. I mean, it's right downtown. And mm-hmm. a lot of people, because the new stadium will be out by the airport, which is good for opposing teams because anyone that's ever been to DIA, Denver International Airport, knows that it's literally in the middle of nowhere. It's the second largest airport in the country and there's nothing around it. And you, it takes you 20 minutes just to get out of the airport and onto a main road. Um, so I know that's a big issue with opposing teams. They don't like coming to Denver for multiple reasons, and that's one of them because it takes them forever to get off the plane to their hotel. So that'll be good for them. However, dude, there's nothing like a game at Mile High. Just, I mean, there's no bad seat in there. In fact, I think the, some of the better seats in the stadium are up top because you feel like you're – how the Bulls designed, you feel like you're right on top of it. And, you know, the old Mile High, even before in Power Field, was right next door. It's it, it's the new parking lot. They have a little memorial set up there. I know you've seen it. So there's yeah. you know there's some nostalgia there, and I know I know people are kind of conflicted, but um, they do have a lot of land out there by the airport, and there's plenty of room to build a mega facility. The other thing too is that the practice facility is in Dove Valley right now, which is not anywhere near downtown where they actually play their games. And like these major facilities that these owners are building now, you know they they include the practice facility, so everything is just kind of in one area so yeah. we'll see i mean there's some talk about it but you know it's 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 kind of i understand why they would do it but for me it, it would be kind of sad because i've you know i've been a broncos fan my whole life and i've seen games in the old mile high i've seen i can't even tell you how many new you know as a former season ticket holder i've, I've seen countless games inside in power field we had tickets when they won the super bowl in 2015 went to every home game that year um so We'll see, um, but it's good to have some stability. Yeah, <clears throat> I mean, and let's be honest here, like Walton and I think it's what his cousin or something like that's married to Cronky. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's also it's talks that like sister, he, if I'm not mistaken, something like yeah, I know, I know it's somehow related, but uh, you know, 
their stocks where even, you know, they could team up and maybe they take over the Elitch area, like Elitch Gardens area, maybe build their stadium there next to the Pepsi Center. You know, but well, I think I, they already, I think they already own that if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, Stan Conky Conky owns, owns it. So, okay. yeah, so yeah. like, so like, you know, there's talks about maybe they can work something out, like, you know, but I, just, I think the big thing right now and going forward is you got to figure out what kind of owner you're going to be. Right? Are you a hands-on owner? Are you going to go through your people type of owner? Right? Because it can go both ways here, and like we've seen it, me specifically as a Cowboys fan, right? Jerry Jones is a very hands-on owner. Needs to be a part of every single decision that has to go on with his, his you know. And, and look how that's kind of paid out. He has a big, big pocketbook as well, but he has to make all those decisions. And right now, it's not working out for the Cowboys. You know, since what '94, since they won the last Super Bowl, you know, Kim Walton. Is he going to be that type of owner, or is he actually going to, you know, trust his GM, which, you know, George Payton has proven he knows his stuff, and he's built this roster, and he, he's made the Broncos, made smart decisions. Are you going to, like, can you trust, or not can you trust him, but, like, are you going to put your trust in him and make sure that he continues doing his job, right? And it's good, it's good, that's going to be the interesting part in this new ownership and how they're going to go about that day-to-day business. Well, so I agree with what you just said, 100%. And here's the thing. I We just were talking about how the, the ownership has been in disarray for the last few years and it's trickled down. We're in agreement on that. However, underneath the ownership, there's already pieces in play here. You have Joe Ellis as the CEO who do, who's done a terrific job. You have John Elway, and I'm not really sure what kind of role he's in now. I know he's less hands-on uh, with the personnel. They're calling it an ambassador role now. Yeah, so an advisor, I think, pretty much is what it is. But... <laughs> That's, that's a much better role for him as opposed to being a personnel guy because he hasn't really shown the ability to draft guys. He got some free agents to sign, um, you know, seven, eight years ago just because he's John Elway and it's the Denver Broncos. But I think an advisor role is a much better position for John to be in. And then, like you said, George Payton, I mean, he's just hit it out of the ballpark since he's been GM. So uh, you have pieces in play. Now, with new ownership, who knows if Joe Ellis will stick around. That could be. I think Joe Ellis's job is 50-50 right now just because of new ownership. You know, owners like to bring in their own people. But, I heard, I heard um, he's stepping down, I like think, he's stepping away after the sale. Joe Ellis is? Yeah, I heard this. Like the sale was like the last part he was going to do, and he was going to step away. Well, I wonder how much of that is internal, but, I mean, maybe that's all on yeah. him. Hope, hopefully they're not pressuring him out because Joe Ellis has done a terrific job. But um, I think George Payton's job is pretty much um, – pretty much a lock. I mean, they uh, Rob Walton yeah. would have to be a total and complete blithering idiot to get rid of George. Pat- I believe it's Patton. Excuse me. Um, no, I, wonder, what, I can never butcher his last the, name all the time. Yeah. I, 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 after the job that he's done. So um, we'll see, you know, it's, it's exciting times in Denver with the new ownership and talks of a new stadium. And obviously, you know, George Patton and Russell Wilson and, you know, Javante Williams and Jerry Judy, hopefully staying healthy and out of trouble. And, uh, Pat Sertan. So, I mean, things are, things are definitely on the up and up for the Denver Broncos here. So, um, for sure. Hopefully. Times here. Yeah. Hopefully we can turn that into on-field success as well. Yep. Amen on that one. Um, it is eight o'clock. You want to get, get on our hockey segment here? Oh yeah. Yeah. As, uh, is our guest ready to come on or? Yes, sir. So I'm all mid him here. Um, but like you said, we, you've said many times the fans have asked for more hockey 
talk and actual hockey talk. So, you know, we searched the realms of Denver and found us a hockey person that we, we know personally as well. But, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little more abs. I know you, you paid attention a lot more to, to the finals this come around. So, um, well, let me see if I can get him in here. Oh, I'm queued up and ready to go to talk about the avalanche. Let me tell you what, uh, I've been watching nothing else other than the abs. So, Hey, how's it going? What's up, what's up, Dane? What's up, Dane? All right, Dane, tell us a little about yourself and, and your hockey expertise here um, and what you've been up to. Honestly, uh, lately just got done with the uh, hockey season, so back back in a seasonal position at Nike. Um, and honestly, I've been just kind of hanging hanging in there. Uh, just got back from Vegas, so a well-deserved vacation. But uh, when it comes to hockey expertise, there you go. very nice. Um, just kind of grew up watching the game. Got involved with officiating about seven or eight years ago, and um, stuck with it and learned a lot just through being around the game and working high levels into uh, junior hockey here in the United States. so correct me if i'm wrong here but mario was telling me that your ultimate goal is to be a nhl referee is that correct um to work up the ranks is a lot of time what in what we call the trenches which is just like the north american hockey league the united states hockey league and working our way up there to just you know getting to that you know, ultimate pinnacle and what a lot of guys dream of doing. And so it's just a lot of work, a lot of just sometimes bad hockey, sometimes just physical hockey where it's like, you're getting like, personally, I've taken punches to the face, just being in the crossfire. Yeah, you gotta be, you I gotta be, it. you gotta be a tough, you gotta be a tough SOB to get in the middle of those guys, man. Hockey players are built differently. Those are some tough dudes. So, um, so, Dane, I, I know your time is limited here, and we appreciate you being with us. Why don't you just, before we get into the abs specifically, why don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you think the uh, the postseason's uh, going honestly, here? I think this postseason here in the NHL is one of just good storylines. Like, with the abs, you have McDavid and McKinnon, to, who are two of the most skilled hockey players that the league has now. Um, you have the Tampa Bay Lightning going for their third straight uh, Stanley cup. Um, and you just have a lot of young, young players starting to reach what could be, you know, their, you know, full potential in the league and the storylines I feel like are great ones that we've seen so far. And if the lightning make it and face the avalanche here in the final, it's another great storyline. And if it's the Rangers, even then with how short, their rebuild their rebuild came to be just like with the abs it's going to be a lot of young players fighting for that stanley cup yeah i i agree with that there's there's quite a few good storylines and like you said tampa bay going for their third cup um you know and even if it's the rangers that pull it out you know having the abs play a couple stanley cup games in madison square garden that would be um, you yes. still play at the garden, right? Uh, or, or do they, okay. Yeah, that, that would be sweet. So, um, 
I, I mean, I, I'm so pumped for the Avalanche right now. I, I mean, our neighborhood just goes wild when the games are on, and it's just been an absolute blast. So talk to me specifically about the Avalanche, and like you said, you got maybe the two best players at their position right now going up against each other in these Western Conference Finals. I mean, obviously, you know, there's some other guys that, that play that center position pretty well, but, man, watching these guys watching these guys speed and how 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 they handle the puck is just unbelievable, man. So talk, talk to us about the, uh, the style of play that the avalanche that they, that they play with and, and, and what you enjoy watching with the avalanche. A lot of it is kind of run and gun. And we saw that with the Western conference finals and McDavid and Nathan McKinnon, especially in games one and four, where it was just nonstop scoring and which the NHL loves. And I'm sure all the fans love to see on like, not to hate on the Eastern Conference final matchup with Tampa Bay and the Rangers, but you have two solid goalies there where it's kind of who's going to score first and who's going to score last kind of situation where the the Oilers and the Avs with game four, it was back and forth. The Avs go up, they go down two, they go back up, and then it goes into overtime and the rest is history. Um, but... Um, Nathan McKinnon and the Avs, they have that run and gun offense, but at the same time, they, we saw it with the St. Louis Blues and a little bit against the Oilers in game uh, two and three, where they're still able to fall back defensively and play good, smart hockey rather than just run it down the, the you know, their uh, opponent's throat. Yeah, I, I, so for, from what I've seen, the Avalanche defensemen are – they're really good at taking angles and, like you said, not getting too ahead of themselves. One thing that's really caught my eye about the Avalanche uh, here is just how – I mean, how quick they are in transition from, from defense to offense and then their ability to just kind of attack the neutral zone, man, and then and then get into the zone and, and – and, I mean – 40, 50 shots on goal a game. I mean, it's just, it's, it's crazy to watch. And just their ability to transition has been just really fun hockey to watch. Yeah. Like a lot of people, especially with football, a lot of people say defense wins championships. In my opinion, a lot of the, for hockey, at least and you know, NBA, MLB offense will win you more championships because while you can have a good solid pitcher, a good solid goalie at the end of the day, you have to score to win. And the only sport where you can score on defense is football. So defense in football could win you championships. But here in the NHL and with the Avs, they strung, they put together just a solid offense that can take on who I uh, I think the anyone in the in the National Hockey League and give them a run for their money no matter what, just because of their offensive threats. We saw it a couple like the maybe the past three or four years where we didn't have a solid goalie, didn't have a solid defenseman or just overall defense. And we still managed to make playoffs just off of the offense alone. Joe Sackick in what is the 2016-17 season kept together Nathan McKinnon, uh, Miko Rantanen, and Gabriel Landeskog and used that as a core and built around that. And in that season, I'm not sure if you guys remember, but the Avalanche were historically bad prior to... I don't even know when, like the Washington Capitals, when they came into the league. Um, 
back in what I think is the 90s, but historically bad. And he took the team around next season, made the playoffs, didn't get out of the first round. But even still, that turnaround was historic in its own right, and it's only gotten better. Speaking, so Dane, like you're talking about defense here. Um, talk, talk to me about, about the goalie situation here, right? I know there's kind of a lot Great of talks question. here whether, whether uh, you know, your starting goalie should get, get his job back. Is it going to stay to the backup? Um, what's your opinion I on that? I thought prior to game four, if Kemper came back from whatever undisclosed injury he has, rumor is, is that it's his eye acting up again from – the uh, round one against Nashville when he took the stick uh, through the mask. Um, that's that's what the rumor is. But personally, I thought that it was going to be uh, uh, Darcy Kemper's net as soon as he was able to retake it. Um, but he was the backup for game four. And so I'm, I don't know if it was coach's decision to roll with the hot hand or if it was just they had, you know, their own conversation between the goalies because sometimes it's ego gets the best of one or the other and kind of whatever. But it seems like uh, it's going to be Francois going at least starting in game one of the Stanley Cup finals. And I'm sure um, Darcy Kemper's OK with that because he took himself out of game one against the Oilers. So I'm not sure that there's going to be any egos in the locker room. So whoever gets this gets the nod, gets the start, I think is is going to be in it for the long run. Yeah, no no time for egos this time of year. And and the Avalanche again, one thing that's impressed me is they don't really get too up or down emotionally. Um, so that's been good to see. I see Nathan McKinnon getting. I mean, obviously. At, at the team's best player he gets checked all the time pushed pushed to the ice and he just seems to have a cool head about him so um obviously with him you know you touched on a couple guys earlier I love watching Miko Rantanen play he is a terrific two-way hockey player I mean what was that game three where he made that diving defensive stop with his bare hand and then uh scored the open the uh the open net goal that was I mean he's 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 really fun to watch and our depth is, is also really impressive. And I think having two guys in goal, either one, one A and one B, obviously not a bad thing for any coach. So um, what are your thoughts and how big of an impact is it going to be if, if Kadri can't go? Because he's been maybe the best Av in the playoffs I so far. I think the Avs, with their depth, can do without him. I'm I'm hoping that he's able to come back just just because he's so good. But at the end of the day, I'm not necessarily worried about it um, just because of, of the depth. Like the Avs, I think this this season, more than any of the previous seasons, they can just they can withstand the injuries that the playoffs naturally bring and just keep rolling with it. And of course, you're going to have guys who play through injuries. I believe one of the... I, I think it was Darnell Nurse of the of the Oilers came out and said that he played through um, like an MCL tear or sprain or something like that, where those hockey players, they're tough enough to play through those injuries. And I'm sure that there are other abs who are playing through injuries as well that have not been disclosed yet. Um, and so just because of that, I'm 
I'm not necessarily worried about it, but it would still be a big help to get him back. And sweeping the Oilers can only help us because it allows for all of our players to rest up. And now that um, the Eastern Conference Finals is guaranteed to go six games, that's only going to help us in the long run as well. Because I'm sure that the NHL is going to give those or that team that comes out of there a break. And it's only it's going to be at least another three days if I had to take a guess. And then the Avs are going to, I think, just take it to them. You're not worried about potentially having too much time off and losing the uh, the hot hand that they have? Going? Not necessarily. I think that maybe, maybe the Avs come out a little flat-footed in the first period. But having game one here in Denver, I think the altitude might catch up to one of the two teams who who plays at sea level. And it's going to catch up to them. And I think even if the Avs are down come coming into the third period, their altitude training and that actual home ice advantage is going to uh, pay dividends for them. Who would you who would you rather see in the in the Stanley Cup finals? Um, personally, I'd rather see the Rangers. I don't think they have the experience like the Avs have, and honestly, the Lightning just scare me. They're looking for the the you know their third cup. They've been there, done that before. They've both teams have hot goalies, so I think it's a toss up there. But at the end of the day, the Lightning are big and bad and can bruise the Avs up. And so I'd rather see New York just because just at the end of the day, I feel like we have more, more depth and more experience in the playoffs. We against the, the Oilers, their coach is an interim coach. It's his first time ever having that position. You can tell at points in the series that he didn't know what to do. And he was just being out coached, even with the, the talent that the Oilers have. Yeah, I, I agree with that 100%. I think I would much rather see the Rangers uh, for uh, all, all the reasons that you just said. Um, I want to get your thoughts on something here. Uh, you think a one-game suspension for Kane, was was that an appropriate punishment for that hit on Kadri? I'm a big Kadri fan. I, I also really like how he how he plays hockey. You think that was an appropriate punishment or should it have been, should it have been longer or not, or not at all? I think that one game was definitely warranted. Could the could the Department of Player Safety gone more? Probably, knowing Kane's history. But I think at the end of the day, unfortunately, I feel like the the NHL had some say in it. Think assuming that the Avs were going to sweep, and it was just like one game is enough, and that way then they don't have to worry about it carrying over into next season. But even then, that's putting mm-hmm. on a tinfoil hat and. And whatnot, but at, I've seen that I've seen those exact hits happen in games of my own, where you just know, like it's a dirty hit, and it's something that every kid knows not to do. If you see numbers, you have to hold up. And Kane didn't, and I'm sure that he knew exactly what he was doing, even if he says that he didn't. At every every Th- single person who plays hockey knows that that's a lie. Like he went. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the most dangerous plays in all yeah. of sports for sure. So um, that's just nonsense. I don't buy that. No, for and one and second. especially with his history, there's, there's no way in hell that, that, that was just an accident. He's, he, he could have gone right. harder, 
but he still gave him a little bit of a shove to send him into the boards. Like, mm-hmm. And he, he had been chippy in the first two games anyway, after taking L's kind of towards the end of the game and whatnot. So yeah, I'm not buying for one second that, that he didn't know what he was doing there. So he just, I think his emotions got the best of him and you know, I'm not, he does have a history, but you know, things happen. So, but I think, I think one game was probably appropriate, but definitely, definitely not what we want to see for sure. Rio, anything to add brother? Well, I mean, you guys know more about (laughs) hockey than I know about hockey. Uh, I mean, we've gone through this. I mean, there's no hockey really where I come from, but you know, uh, you're telling me Mexicans don't play hockey in Kansas or what? You know, at least not in my area. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe in Wichita or something. I, I don't know. You know, I don't know what else people do on their farms, but, um, no, I mean, like I said, I'm still obviously trying to learn the game, and I've been to a couple abs games with Dane and, and our homie Chris as well. Um, but from what I'm seeing, at least from what I'm watching, though, I mean, this abs team is exciting. Um, these guys are fast. They, I love that they have no quit in them. You know, so like especially that that game four in, in the third period. You know, we usually could have just wrapped it up there. You know, said, "Hey, we're taking this back to Denver, and right. you know, we're going to play our series at home and win it at home." But you know, these guys didn't give up. And, you know, and, and I love that, and I love seeing a team that's always willing to fight to the very end. And you know, these guys have a little bit of swagger to them, and they're they're hot, like like you guys are saying. And you know, it's an exciting time here for these Avalanche, and hopefully, we can bring it home. Yeah, yeah, it'll be it'll be a party in Denver if we can bring the Stanley Cup home. I mean, I'm going out and watching these games at the bar be, just because it's been so much fun being around people while while we're making a run, you know. I mean, we hadn't been to the conference final since 2002. We hadn't we haven't been to a Stanley Cup final since 2001. So people are excited, man, and rightly so because that we love our Avalanche. And quite frankly, there's nothing really quite like playoff hockey, man. It, it, it hits a little different and it has been an absolute blast to watch. So, um, Dan, you have any final no, thoughts? I think I, like no, I, everything's been said that needs to be said, you know, th- thus far, like the abs have that Mamba mentality of work's not done. They celebrated a little bit, celebrated Amen, brother. a little bit, you know, getting the, the conference final over with. But after that, I think it's all, all back to work. I do have one I, question actually. <laughs> And I don't know, Dan, Dan, if you know, I mean, probably Dan, you might know. I don't know if you do know. Um, I did see when they were doing the trophy presentation, like, you know, they only had a couple hands on it. They didn't raise it up. Is there a reason you don't do that? Because, you know, a lot of your sports teams, you know, like soccer and stuff like that. you you, You raise the cup. So there's also a superstition with the conference final trophies that um, you don't even touch it because it's not the trophy that you want. It's just, here's something, whatever. But going back to 96 and 01, when we won the conference finals as well, Joe Sackick carried it, carried it around a little bit and even told the guys this year, like, touch the fucking thing. Like, <laughs> it, it's at... Yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I was, I was mean, curious, because, like, you know, you see, you see in a lot of sports, even, I mean, conference finals, obviously, that's what this was, you know you know, parading the trophy round, lifting it. I, I was just very curious. I just saw him, you yeah. know, just like touch it and that was it. Like they just left no, it on the table um, and skated away I wouldn't be away surprised there. if 
if especially if the Rangers win the conference finals, they don't even touch it. Like it's there's a superstition like you don't even touch it. But that being said, Avs have touched it all three times so far, and at least two times we've won the won the Stanley Cup. So I don't think it's a bad omen at all. I think it's there. You go. <laughs> I I love how they handled it to be honest with you because. You know, they touched it and they took pictures with it. But again, it's not what you want. So there's no reason to make a huge deal about it. But I think that in any sport, superstition is only a thing if you let it be a thing. You know what I mean? So um, I think they handled it mm-hmm. perfectly, actually. So I am I, in You celebrate a little bit with it and, and then just Let's, go back uh, to, to, you know, work. Business. Yep. Amen. That's exactly right. Cool. Well, Dane, man, we appreciate you coming on and, and, and chopping it up with us. Uh, you know, we, we, we have a lot of people in our, particularly in our TikTok, leaving us comments about how we're, we haven't been touching on hockey too much. So it's good to get somebody on here that really knows the game and loves the game as you clearly do, man. So we appreciate you coming on. And on that note, we're going to call it a day here at the crossover podcast. Let us know what you guys think in the comments section below. We did cover a few things today in terms of contracts and the NFL, as well as the avalanche and hockey. And then you know what to do. Punch a like, subscribe to the channel, hit the bell for notification, share this video, and we will talk to you later.